In Matthew 5, 48, Jesus said, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, that sounds impossible. And indeed it is. For man, this is impossible, but all things are possible with God when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible study in the Word of Christ, that men and women of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Tell your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here's your teacher, Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. Well, as I quoted there at the top of the segment, <laughs> we're looking at a single verse today in Matthew 5:48, and this concluding our study of chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to play a sermon that I did uh, a couple of years ago on this very verse, and I'm going to split it into two parts. So you're hearing part one today and then part two tomorrow, a sermon on just Matthew 5:48. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we're looking at a verse here that really summarizes everything that we've considered in Matthew chapter 5 thus far. As Jesus has been going through the law with various, you have heard that it was said statements. Some of those things straight out of the Old Testament. Other statements had been morphed or warped by the Pharisees or they had quoted it correctly but applied it in the wrong way. And Jesus gives us the right understanding of God's law and how we are to live. Remember, the theme for the Sermon on the Mount is to understand the commands that have been given to us as citizens of God's kingdom. These are the laws of the kingdom of Christ. How do we live in God's kingdom? Every kingdom has laws. Well, Jesus, the king himself, is telling us these are his edicts. Here's how he expects his subjects to be. And it would be impossible for us to live up to this standard if not for the righteousness of Christ that has been given to us. Here is part one of the sermon entitled, You Are to Be Perfect, as Your Heavenly Father is Perfect. In the word of our Lord, as recorded by the Apostle Matthew, Jesus said, You, therefore, must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Remain standing as we pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this word this morning, I pray this is not something we just brush quickly past. That we think to ourselves, well, that can't even be attained. And so why even aspire to that? Perfection. Only God is perfect. Which is most certainly the truth. So we seek Christ who is the author and perfecter of our faith. That we may have the righteousness of Christ and stand before God, holy as you are holy. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I am not Tom Buck, and this is not Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, as it says in your bulletin. Pastor Tom has asked that I not go on in the Sermon on the Mount, and so I'm respecting that, and we will not. He's going to be preaching on that section next week. So instead of looking forward, we're going to be looking back. That last statement, that last verse that Pastor Tom read last week, 
hit me particularly hard. It does every time I read it. I don't know about you, but to hear Jesus say, you, therefore, must, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Can we do that? How can we attain that? How can we aspire to this perfection? Who is perfect? And surely you're already sitting there and you've even whispered as I asked the question, saying, no one, no one is perfect. Yeah, you can go out and you can, you can talk to complete atheists, people who don't even believe in God, who don't believe in the word of Christ, and they will tell you, nobody is perfect. This guy standing up here behind this pulpit, I'm certainly not perfect, never have attained this, but have often pondered it, have often felt convicted by it. What does it mean to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect? And even as I've pondered it coming into this sermon this morning, it, it, I will continue to reflect upon this for the rest of my life, that it is the righteous requirement of God in order to stand in his presence, in order to come into his kingdom, you must be perfect as he is perfect. God said to Israel, you must be holy as I am holy. Peter repeats that to the church in 1 Peter. You therefore must be holy as your heavenly father is holy. If we want to come into the kingdom of God, we must have perfection. And this is not some ambiguous statement. For Jesus even gives the comparison. You must be perfect as God is perfect. Without stain or blemish, righteous, holy, perfection. And we must have that to be with God. What's the alternative? Well, imperfection, what is the result of that? Separation from God, even worse than this, hell itself. The wrath of God poured out forever on those who could not be perfect. That terrifies me. It scares me. To therefore come to the feet of the master and say, God, what must I do to be perfect? You know that you can't be perfect. The world will tell you that you can't be perfect. Jesus has told us here that we cannot be perfect. As we even reflect upon what has been said in the Sermon on the Mount up to this point. We're only a third of the way through it. We've been through one chapter. We've got chapter 6 and 7 to go. We could get to this statement and be discouraged from even listening to the rest of it. Well, I have to be perfect? And I know that I can't be. So what is the point of listening to the next two-thirds of what it is that Jesus has to say when I can't even aspire to this? Jesus has gone through the law thus far in the Sermon on the Mount, and he has pointed out the things that we have failed at time and time again. He has said, you shall not commit adultery. Repeating from the law, repeating from the Ten Commandments, there were surely people that were there going, well, I've kept that law. 
I've never slept with anybody who's not my spouse, so therefore I've kept the law. I'm perfect. And Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ooh. Suddenly I realize I have not kept that law as well as I thought I had. Jesus said, you shall not murder. Repeating from the Ten Commandments. There were surely people there that thought to themselves, well, I've never done that. I've never killed anybody. I've kept that law. Therefore, I can say I'm perfect. Jesus said, but I tell you, if you've even hated your brother, it is as if you have murdered him in your heart. If you even call him a fool, you are guilty of the fire of hell. And suddenly I realize I've not kept that as well as I thought. Even if there was some way that in my mind and in my body I could resolve to keep these things for the rest of my life. All these things that Jesus has laid down. Going to the commandment in the Old Testament. Talking about how the Pharisees had twisted this to mean something else. And then he gives the right teaching. Even if I were to pay attention to the right teaching and I were to do everything that Jesus has said for me to do. I still wouldn't be perfect. And I'm not just talking about, well, in your mind, you're still going to fail. There's going to be times you're going to try to be perfect. You're still not going to be able to do it. I'm not just talking about that. Let's say I could do this. Let's say I could keep everything that Jesus has said for me to do up to this point. I still wouldn't be perfect. Why not? Because I've already failed. Do you understand what perfection means? It means you cannot ever have erred at one point in your life. Adam and Eve lived in the presence of perfection. They lived in a creation that God had made by the utterance of his own voice. Man and woman that he formed with his own hands. And he looked at all of his creation and he said, behold, it is very good. And yet even in the midst of paradise, Adam and Eve found themselves not content Eve listened to the voice of the tempter. She took some of the fruit God told them not to eat. She ate it, handed it to her husband. He also ate. And their eyes were open and they recognized they had disobeyed God. They realized they were naked and they were ashamed. That was the first sin. We refer to that as the original sin. And it was because of that sin, mankind was driven from the presence of God. One sin. And we were forever stained. And could never be with God again. Because of the curse and the sin nature that had come upon Adam, everyone born from him from that point on would likewise be imperfect as Adam had become imperfect. Stained, incapable of being with God. To stand in God's presence then at that point would have been certain death. For as he is holy and we are not, to stand in the presence of such perfection would kill us. As God had even said to Moses, no one can see my face and live. For God is that holy and we are that much not. 
to ever be in God's presence again. We needed mercy. But I tell you, it's even more than this. We needed a savior. For someone needed to take the righteous requirement of the law upon himself. He needed to keep it perfectly and then die for us, shedding his blood on our behalf so that through him we might once again attain the perfection of God. As Jesus says this here, as he says, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect He is the one who is perfect as his heavenly father is perfect. And it is by faith in him that by God's mercy, we can have the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. John MacArthur explaining that passage says at no point in Jesus' life or in his death was he ever sinful. He was pure and spotless and undefiled. So therefore, what does this mean to say that for our sake he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him? MacArthur goes on to say only this, this is what that means. That Jesus in his death, God looked at him on the cross and looked at him as if he had lived my life. And then by faith in Christ, God looks at me as if I have lived Jesus' life. That is the righteousness of God. The perfection of God imputed to us. We have a borrowed righteousness given to us by faith that we might become the children of God. And as John says in 1 John 3, so we are. We have become the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So to know now that we have the righteousness of God means more than just, well, well, good, Gabe, thanks for sharing that with me. Thanks for telling me that now I have the holiness, the righteousness, that perfection of God standing in his presence by faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for letting me know that. Class dismissed. There is something that is being required of us here. There is something that we must do. And in fact, that is what Jesus is exactly saying. This is the implication of everything that he has said up to this point, where he says, you therefore means in light of all that I've just said, there's something that you must do. And what is it you must do? You must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now we know that we won't be right but we must desire that perfection and we must pursue it. 
The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, it's not that I'm already perfect, but I desire to make it my own. For Christ has made me his own. There are some uh, who will teach a doctrine of what is called entire sanctification. This idea that we can attain perfection on this side of glory. At some point, I don't really know uh, in this particular doctrine how they know that they've gotten there. Is you just wake up one day, oh, there I am. I'm completely and perfectly sanctified. And now I'll live the rest of my life out in this perfect sanctification until I go and Meet with God in glory. I had a friend of mine that I used to minister with. We used to minister to high school kids together over lunch on Tuesday. He was a youth pastor at a Nazarene church. Nazarene is one of those denominations that believes in entire sanctification. And he and I had a conversation about this one time. And I asked him, have you ever seen anybody who is entirely sanctified? And he said, well, no. And he said, but I I want to be. And I said, amen, brother, me too. I want to be entirely sanctified. And he said, but you don't think that we will be, that that we can possibly be entirely sanctified on this side of heaven? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, well, how do you know that? And I said, well, because of what the Bible says. Paul also to the Philippians, Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it at the day of Christ. When we enter into that holy perfection of God, then we will be entirely sanctified. In the meantime, we cannot get there now, but we aspire to. We aspire to because God loves us and gave his son for us. And so if we love God, we must do what he asks. But knowing this wonderful, blessed grace... That though we may stumble and fall in that attempt to live in perfection, God is gracious to us and will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Turn with me please to 1 John chapter 2. Let's go to 1 John 2. Now, part of what I just mentioned to you is right there in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 9. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's verse 10. Now, look at what we read in chapter 2. 1 John 2, starting in verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is our advocate. What does that mean that Christ is our advocate? An advocate is one who speaks favorably on behalf of another. So imagine this, right now, as Christ is your Savior, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus is speaking of you favorably before your Father who is in heaven. 
Even if we sin, even if anyone does sin, John says, we have an advocate with the Father. That we may not lose hope. That we may not despair. Jesus said, be perfect. I'm, suddenly I'm not perfect. I've failed. I can't ever see God. Good news is we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. Let's stop there. We'll finish the second part of this tomorrow. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the kindness that you have shown us, for we were certainly not worthy of you. We were, what we deserved was destruction, the judgment of God upon us for the rebellion that we had committed against Christ and against your law. But you have been merciful to us. You gave us your son as an atoning sacrifice to die for us, to rise again from the dead, so that by faith in him, we are clothed in his righteousness, that we may be perfect, as our heavenly Father is perfect. Teach us to walk in your ways. We ask in his name. Amen. Pastor Gabe is the author of several books and Bible studies, available in paperback or for your e-reader. For titles and more information, visit our website at www.utt.com. Join us again tomorrow as we grow together in God's Word when we understand the text.